And returning again to this story uh, that actually took place after Christmas Day happened, the story of the wise men who came to worship Jesus Christ. Uh, and I, I heard somebody ask the question this week, what if it wasn't wise men who came that day? What if it was wise women? How would the story have read differently? To what they said. They said they would have asked directions, arrived on time. I don't know about that one, actually. <laughs> Helped deliver the baby in the stable, take the casserole, and brought more practical gifts. Now, that's what would have happened if it was wise women um, instead of wise men. But it wasn't wise women, it was wise men. And so we have the story that we have here in the scriptures. And let's read it together. Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse number 1. This is what the Bible says. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. These wise men had seen a star so, uh, that indicated to them in the, in the sky uh, that the king of the Jews, the Messiah that had long ago been foretold, had indeed been born. And so at the sign of that star, they traveled from the far east, likely from Babylon or Persia, all the way to Jerusalem seeking after this newborn king. And uh, the journey would have taken them, likely during that time period, four to six months. Make it all the way there. And uh, this completely demolishes our traditional manger scenes that we like to put up this year. There weren't shepherds and wise men there. Uh, but nonetheless, it all, dis it all did happen, just not all in the picture-perfect way we like to picture it sometimes. Nonetheless, these wise men came from the Far East to come and worship Jesus Christ in search of Jesus Christ. And we know, regardless of what tradition says, that Wise men did come because the gospel of Matthew records for us this story about these wise men who came to see Jesus Christ. You no, know, they came sometime after Jesus was born. But the question I want to begin with this morning is why? Why did they come? Why did they travel all that distance to see a king who really, by nationality, wasn't even their own king? Why did they travel that distance? Well, they said it in verse number two. Let's look at it again. They said, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east. And let's read the last part of the verse out loud together. Are come to worship him. Why did they come? They came to worship Jesus. That's why they came. I think that is something significant for us to understand. They came all that way to do exactly what we have come together to do today. Worship Jesus Christ. By the way, people are still coming. Every Sunday we gather Every morning we arise, we open our Bibles, we pray, we worship Jesus Christ. The wise people are still coming to Jesus Christ on a regular basis. Said they've come to worship Him. That word worship is translated from the Greek word uh, proskuneo that literally speaks of showing reverence to someone who is of superior rank. We think about what these wise men were talking about here. They came all that way to honor, to adore and to show reverence to one whom they deemed to be superior to themselves. And that one was Jesus Christ. By the way, they deemed by their actions this one to be superior even to their own earthly kings and, and dignitaries. They came all that way to worship this king, not because they were honoring the Jews, but because they were honoring who the king of the Jews was, the Messiah, it was Jesus Christ. They said they came all that way to worship him it was not fitting. Just send a note. 
to send a gift, to send well, wish, well wishes. No, they had to come in person, show the level of respect that this one who had been born was worthy of. So they traveled all that way to show that respect. And you know, when you truly understand, not only understand, but when you truly believe who Jesus is, who like those wise men will want to come and give an offering of worship he is worthy of. I think that's why we've gathered together today. I don't doubt that you came with a desire to honor the Lord. You came to church today uh, to, to observe this Christmas Sunday because you really do. Uh, you really are thankful for Jesus Christ and what he's done for you. And I think we have a kindred spirit with the wise men and being able to say we desire to truly honor and worship the Lord Jesus. And so as we look at the example of the wise men, there's so much we can learn about the manner in which we ought to worship Jesus Christ this Christmas season. I want us to think about the manner of our worship for just a few moments this morning. We often sing it, and we sang it this morning. Oh, come let us adore him. How can we truly do that? How can we truly worship Jesus this Christmas in a way like he is worthy of? Let's focus on the account of the wise men and learn, uh, uh, learn some, some ways that the Bible teaches us we ought to worship Christ this Christmas. Now, before we dig into this, why don't we bow our heads to, together? I want to pray. I want you to pray as I pray, and let's ask God to speak to our hearts on this Christmas Sunday together. Let's pray. Our Father, we come before you. Thank you for this opportunity to open your word. And I pray, God, as we open uh, your word, that our hearts would also be opened and our minds would be opened to hear the word and that we would be willing to respond to it and willing to act on it as you, as you speak to our hearts. I have no doubt that the vast majority of people in this room have come with, a, with an honest desire in their heart to give you glory and to honor you on this, on this day. Yet, Lord, there may be areas in our life where, whether we like to recognize it or not, we're not honoring you. We're not living worship, uh, in a worshipful manner. There are certainly ways that all of us can grow in, in, a, in a life of worship to you. I pray that you'd reveal those ways to us today and encourage our hearts as we consider what you've done for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I present to you this morning five ways that you can worship Christ Christmas. Here's the first one. If you're taking notes, you can mark this down. First off, you need to worship with pursuit. Worship with pursuit. And we've already read verses 1 and 2 where the Bible says the wise men traveled from afar and came to Jerusalem. And as we look at the example of the wise men, one of the first things that we begin to notice is that these wise men chose to worship Christ in their pursuit of him. How they pursued after him. The Bible says they, they saw a star that, that signaled that the Christ child was to be born and they began to travel. And when you consider the fact, and we've looked at this in weeks past, when you consider the fact that out of everybody that saw this star or heard about this star, the wise men were the only ones who did anything about it. Wise men were the only ones who, when they heard the news of the Messiah and when they saw the star, they responded to it and began to pursue after seeing this Christ child that had been born. And I believe that in their pursuit of Jesus, it's an act of worship that we need to take note of. I'll say this to you this morning. It may be a cliche, cliche statement, but it's true nonetheless. Christ people still seek him. Some wisdom, learning discipline seeking God. God wants you to love him. God wants you to seek him, to worship him, to honor him above all other things in your life. The Bible tells us in 
Uh, Mark chapter 12 and verse 30, Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. God wants your all. He wants you to love Him with everything that you have in you, everything that you do, everything that you say, everything that you are. That's how God desires for us to love Him. But I will say this, this degree of love does not come naturally to us as humanity. Our first inclination is not to put God first, it's to put ourselves first. Something or someone else first, even family, before the Lord. The Bible tells us that we are born with no desire for God whatsoever. A lot of people, and listen, I've, I've had five children, okay? I'll tell you emphatically, they're all little, sin, little, little sinners, okay? And yes, they, got it, they all got it from me, all right? Quite literally. And... Uh, that's how all of us are born. None of us are born with a desire for God. All of us, are, in fact, are born opposing God. The Bible tells us in Romans 3 and verse 10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeks after God. That's a pretty powerful word. We like the word all in the scripture, but it's also very intimidating to read that the Bible says none of us are good. None of us are seeking God. It goes against our human nature, our fallen human nature to seek the Lord. And the fact is, you did not first pursue God. It is God who first pursued you. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 19, we love him because he first loved us. And see, that love was manifested when God came down in the flesh and was born in that manger and lived a sinless life and died on the cross and was buried and rose again. And we know the love of God because God came down to manifest his love for us when he came in Bethlehem's manger. So he didn't pursue God first. He pursued us first. After you come to understand God's love for you and accept him as your savior, here's what happens. He creates within your heart a new desire. Pursue him. After you come to know Jesus as your Savior, you learn about his love for you, and all of a sudden a new desire is born in your heart to want to know God more, want to walk with God closely. And boy, it's a precious thing for us as believers. When we come to know Christ as our Savior, this new heart is, has been given to us. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I'm thankful for the new identity that we're given in Jesus Christ when we trust Him as our Lord and Savior. Understand, one of the most sincere ways that you can worship the Lord, not just at Christmas, but at any time, by actively choosing to pursue God in your life. Say that God delights when His people pursue Him. His people pursue a relationship with Him invites us to Isaiah 55 and verse 6 the Lord says seek you the Lord while he may be found call you upon him while he is near and uh, you know what the Bible indicates to us when it comes to seeking the Lord that you really honor the Lord and worship the Lord when you seek God before and above all other things in your life and I, that's why I'm thankful so many of you have made the decision to come out and I know there are, there, are, there are other people that didn't decide to, to, to come to church on Christmas Sunday. And by the way, let me just throw this in there. Don't go out of here with your head up saying, well, I'm a super spiritual Christian because I went to church on Christmas Sunday. You all stayed home. Right? Don't be a Pharisee, okay? You know better than anybody else just because you came to church on Christmas Sunday. But I'm glad you're here because that shows an indication of your heart. You wanted to put the Lord first for all the normal things you may do on Christmas. 
I think that is so important for us to understand. That's what God desires from us as his people. And so here's my question for you. Do you desire God to put other things aside to seek him first? Or is there perhaps something or someone that has come into your life that is taking first place in your heart? The way that you can genuinely worship the Lord this, this Christmas and really any season by putting God back in his rightful place. Making a, making a decision to pursue the Lord. By the way, you'll, you'll never be disappointed. You pursue God, you'll never be disappointed. Like what the psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 2, he said, blessed are they that seek him with the whole heart. You'll be the blessed one for seeking God. You'll be the blessed one for entering into the presence of God. And you're not doing God any favors by doing it. You're really doing yourself a favor by drawing close to the Lord. And what a blessed privilege it is for us to be able to do so. And so one way you can worship the Lord is by making a choice to pursue Him. Now, think about this in the context of the new year. Some of you like to set New Year's resolutions. Can I tell you a great thing for you to do in this last week of the year, Be especially if you've kind of gotten away from pursuing God on a day-to-day basis in your daily devotions and prayer time, making goal, setting a goal for the new year to get back to spending that time with God every single day. It might be a good thing for some of you to pick out a Bible reading plan or choose the time of the day when you're going to sit down and read your Bible and take time to pray and, and to connect with God on a day-to-day basis. And that's an act of worship, making the decision to pursue the Lord. And so five ways we can worship the Lord uh, this Christmas season and really every season. Number one, worship with pursuit. Number two, write this down, worship with persistence. Worship with persistence. Now the wise men came to Jerusalem expecting to hear about this Jewish king, the Messiah, that had been born. But they were incredibly surprised when they got there that they were the only ones who seemed to know about it. They asked the leader of in Jerusalem, Herod, about this one that had been born, the real king of the Jews. He was shocked and appalled by it. And so he began to do some research, and he found out that the prophecy had said that the Christ child was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. He comes back to the wise men and tells the wise men to go to Bethlehem and look for the king of the Jews there. Look for Jesus there. And so off the wise men go. And the Bible tells us this is what happened next. Look at verse number 9 with me. Verse number 9. The Bible says, when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Another way these wise men worship Jesus, I believe, through their persistence. Now, as you think about all that these wise men had endured, how far they had to travel, and all the different circumstances they had to endure. I love the fact that we see they did not give up on pursuing Christ. Got to Jerusalem, nobody knew about what they were talking about, but they didn't give up there. They kept pursuing after Christ when the way wasn't clear. They just kept on going after Christ. When they were threatened for doing so, it didn't stop them from going after Christ. When nobody else came with them, literally they went alone to Bethlehem pursuing after Christ, they still kept going because they showed a persistence in pursuing after the Lord. And another way you can worship Christ this Christmas is by simply being persistent in your faith. You had a very tough year, incredibly tough. You thought about giving up on your faith. Have you thought about uh, giving up on, on, on this whole Jesus thing? Tell you a just man falls seven times, but he rises up again. That's what the Bible says. 
And yes, the way may be difficult sometimes. And, you know, through the difficult circumstances you're going through, the way you can worship the Lord is just by saying, I'm going to keep on for Christ. Tough, but I'm going to keep on for Christ. Though the way forward may not be clear to you, you can make the decision to keep on for Christ. Though nobody else is willing to go along with you, you can still make the decision to keep on for Christ. And friend, God honors that, and God sees that when His people uh, stay after Him not be deterred away from him. Paul said in Philippians 3, 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And boy, stay after it. Those wise men wouldn't give up. They were bound and determined they were going to come into the presence of Christ who had been born. And though all others forsake you, here's the amazing thing about it. As you pursue the Lord, don't give up. Though all others forsake you, though nobody else may go with you, what you can always know is that God is always there with you. Right? I love what the Bible says. Jesus said in Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you or forsake you. The psalmist said in Psalm 9 and verse 10, And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. You pursue after the Lord. It may be a little bit foggy to you right now where God's taking you. It may be a little bit unclear what God's doing in your life. But you stay after the Lord. You stay submitted to God's plan for your life. And friend, you will be the better for it. You may not have understood it this way, but it really is an act of worship to the Lord. God isn't looking for, for, for perfection from his people. What he's looking for is for persistence. He's looking for people to just stay faithful. Right? Fall down, they get back up, but they stay after the Lord. They stay after God's will for their life. And boy, that would be a wonderful decision for you to make in your, in your life this Christmas. If you have fallen, if you have faltered, back up and keep on following after the Lord. Keep on going. Don't give up. Don't give up. But uh, when you do pursue the Lord and you stay persistent, it's always rewarded. Always rewarded. It may not happen as soon as you want it to, but it always is rewarded. No person who seeks the Lord will ever be dis disappointed in that pursuit. Not a person who's ever done it. The Bible says in Galatians 6 in verse 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. David said, I have been young, now I'm old. And I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. Friend, God does not give up on his own. God does not forsake his own. You keep following after the Lord. It's a great act of worship to the Lord. And so I ask you this morning, have you allowed some people in your life to cause you to falter in your faith this year? Have you allowed some problems in your life to cause you to falter in your faith this year? Wonderful way that you can worship the Lord this Christmas by deciding, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to, keep pursuing. I'm going to keep pursuing after the Lord. Not giving up on me, I'm not giving up on Him. And I challenge you to do that. You can worship but, uh, with pursuit. Then you can worship with persistence. Here's the third way you can worship. Worship with your presence. Your presence. Verse number, verse number 10, the Bible tells us, as these wise men had set out after the star, eventually that that star reappeared for them and guided them right to the very house where Jesus was, the Bible tells us. And here's what happened in verse number 10. The Bible says, And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and they fell down. And what did they do? Worshipped him. They fell down and they worshipped him. Now by this point, Joseph and Mary were no longer in that stable, okay? Um, they didn't set up a permanent residence there, okay? Um, that was just a one-night deal, hopefully. 
At this point, they had found a house where they could stay at. And so the Bible says the wise men had come to this house where the young child was. And, and when the star led into that house, there's several things the Bible says the wise men did when they came into it. Notice, first, the Bible says that they saw the, the young child. They saw the child. That word for saw, it literally means to find something out by searching diligently. Right? It's a little bit different than what you normally think of when you see the word saw. They were literally, it was like they found a treasure that they had been earnestly seeking for. They weren't content to let others tell them about Jesus. In other words, they needed to go see him for themselves. They came and when they had saw, they'd come into the presence of Jesus. The next thing the Bible says they did is that they fell down. That, that literally means they laid themselves prostrate on the ground in an act of humility and, and obedience to the Lord. And then the Bible says that they finally felt, when they fell down, that they worshiped him. That means they showed him reverence. And so in all this, we see another way these wise men worshiped the Lord Jesus. They worshiped the Lord with their presence. They came before the presence of Jesus Christ personally. Worship, in other words, was not superficial. It was actual, it was personal, and it was genuine. I'll tell you way that you can genuinely worship the Lord during this Christmas season is by simply being present for him. You understand that's the one of the whole, that really is the whole reason why Jesus came. You were estranged from God. You could have no fellowship with God apart from Jesus Christ. You were born in this world. You were born a sinner. We've already talked about that. And the Bible says in Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah, that your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you so that he cannot hear you. Because of our sin, we were separated from God and we couldn't have fellowship with God, but that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to be what the Bible calls a mediator. Came to be a mediator to stand between God and us as sinful humanity and to reconcile us, to bring us back together. How could that happen? Well, he had to do something to be able to settle the, the, the beef, let me put it that way, that was between God and us as humanity. It was caused by our sin. And Jesus came and he died on the cross for our sin so that we could be forgiven. And so that when we put our faith in him and accept the forgiveness that he has bought for us, we can now be brought back together with God. So if you think about it, the whole reasons why Jesus came to restore you into God's fellowship to restore you into God's presence, to have the ability, as Hebrew 4.16 says, to be able to come boldly before the throne of grace. You may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The whole reasons why Jesus came was to give you the opportunity to be able to come into the very presence of God. And when you consider this then, you consider what Jesus all Jesus had to do, dying for your sins, coming to the sin-cursed world, all Jesus had to endure so that you could come into his presence. Then follows then, the least that we could do, take time in the presence of Jesus Christ. What the Bible says in Romans 12 and verse 1, I, I beseech you, I beg you, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, King of all that Christ has done for you, you present yourselves living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto the, unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. I don't think that there's a greater act of worship that you could do this Christmas towards Jesus Christ than just simply giving yourself to the Lord. Coming into the very presence of God. 
that's so opposite of what typically happens during a busy season like Christmas. It's so caught up in the activities and all the things that we're doing. And, 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 and so often what we don't give the Lord around seasons like this is actual time in His presence. We might offer a prayer before we eat a meal. Or a lot of times devotions go out, go out of the way and actual alone personal time with God is something that just doesn't happen consistently. So many of us, especially around this time of the year. Make matters worse, we come to church and we presume to worship Jesus, but let's be honest, okay, we struggle with this. Some of you are thinking about that turkey that you have uh, roasting right now. So you weren't, but now you are, okay, thank you, thank you to me later, but... Some of you are thinking about, oh, I forgot to get this, I forgot to get that, are any stores open? Um, and some of you are thinking about all kinds of things, and a lot of times, presume to come into the presence of God. Or, or this is what happens for me, I go to pray, I'm, I'm sitting there praying, and all of a sudden, my thoughts, I, I collect my thoughts, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm like, why am I thinking? I was, I was praying, what am I thinking about that for? You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we presume to come into the presence of God, but we allow our thoughts and affections to be robbed and deterred to something else. One of the most worshipful things you can do is just be present. Present yourself before the Lord. Jesus Christ endured all he endured that you could share fellowship with him. Do you think it's important to him? It absolutely is. God doesn't need us. He loves us. Listen, parents, we understand we love to spend time with our kids. Right? And Some of you are a little bit angry with your kids because they're not going to spend time with you today. All right? And I get that. I get that. We love, we love them. We want to spend time with them. God's the same with us as his creation and as his children. He loves to spend time with his people. You need to make the decision to be present in your worship of Christ. I love what the Bible tells us in Exodus chapter number 24. It's about Moses. God invited Moses to come up on Mount Sinai and be in his presence. And this is what God told him. He told Moses, come up to me into the mount and be there. Be there. I've often wondered, and the Lord has often convicted my heart with this as well, how often have I come, presumed to come before the Lord? I was there physically, but I really wasn't there mentally or in my heart. I believe that one of the most important ways you can honor the Lord this day and really every day is by taking intentional time to just be there with God. Come into God's presence and be all there. Let Him have your undivided attention. Right? For some of you, that may mean you need to turn the, the phone off. It's a distraction. Turn it off. Right? Give God your undivided attention. Listen, your wife has thrown your phone at you plenty of times because you weren't listening to her, right? Sometimes I wish God could do that for us as well. Park on this a while, but really this is what the Lord spoke to my heart about the most this week. Worship the Lord with your presence. There are a lot of people who didn't come into God's presence that, that day when Jesus first came, but those wise men came. They honored him with their presence. Will you? There's a fourth way you can worship the Lord. That is you can worship with your presence. Sounds the same, I know. It's different. Presence and then presence. Um, after they had come into his presence, they didn't stop there. They presented him something. Verse 11, look at verse 11. The end of verse 11 says, And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense, and myrrh. The Bible says they presented him with these treasures. That word presented, it literally means 
they carried something over to him. And what they carried over, over to him was these gifts that they had prepared for Jesus. By the way, we don't have a lot of time to park here, but these gifts actually reveal something to us about who Jesus really is. The Bible says the first gift that they gave was a gift of gold. Gold was a gift that was fit for a king. It was a common gift for a king in that day, and it reminds us that Jesus Christ is the King of Kings. The next gift was frankincense. This was a gift for deity, the gift that was often offered up to the gods in that day and time. We know that this gift was offered to Jesus because He's the God of all gods. He is the Lord of lords. He is Jesus, God in the flesh. The third gift they gave, the Bible says, was what? Probably getting a little bit quieter, a little bit quieter. All right. Myrrh. Gave the gift of myrrh. Myrrh was a gift that was fit for one's death. Of all things, it was something that was commonly used in the process of embalming in that time period. It reminds us of an important thing is that Jesus was born to die. At his birth, he was given a gift for death. That's the very reason which Jesus Christ came into, these, into this earth. And so these wise men brought these gifts. These gifts were not an afterthought. It took some time to prepare. It took some effort to purchase these gifts and to prepare these gifts and to have it ready to present to Jesus when they came before him that day. All right, The wise men uh, didn't go uh, search, uh, shop the marketplace uh, in Jerusalem right before they went over to Bethlehem, I dare say. All right, Now some of you, all right, you were in Walmart last night trying your best to make up for lost time. I'm certain of it, okay? That wasn't the case here with these wise men. I believe they prepared these and they were intentional about the gifts that they offered up to the Lord. And so we see they worshiped the Lord with their offerings. They worshiped the Lord with the gifts that they presented. And another way you can worship Christ is by willingly and joyfully giving Him an offering to honor Him. The Bible says, where your treasure is, will your heart also and uh, it was interesting, it's interesting to me as we've been teaching our children about, uh, about giving, even this morning as I was sitting down with, with our girls and asked them if uh, I told them what we were going to do, that we were going to present an offering to the Lord this morning. And, and after we had talked about that, I asked them if, what they wanted to do. They said, I think I want to give something. And then, of course, we've, we've got all their money put into little, little boxes for them. And so we opened that up, and I pulled it out, and I said, I'm not, I, I, you do what you do. If you want to give something, you can. You don't have to give something. And it was funny to me. We put that out there, and, of course, one of my kids showed them, showed them the money that they had, and they looked at it, and they thought, I don't want to give anything. That was where they were at. The other one's just like, here, let's give it all. <laughs> um, and different personalities, I suppose. It was, a, it was a precious thing, even as that was taking place, that even the one that was holding back. Eventually, when we talked about Christ, they said, you know what? I do want to give something. But so often, level of worship from our heart is evidenced, evidenced by how much we hold on to things we think belong to us. you understand that everything you have comes from God? You have anything if it wasn't for Him? James 1.17 says, every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father. It all comes from God. God blesses us with the things that we possess and then we tend to hold on to them and not honor Him with them. But the Bible says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And so like the wise men, God expects every true believer to set aside a portion of what He has blessed them with to give as an expression of worship to the Lord. 
if you've never been in the process of giving, you say, I can't believe this. I went to church on Christmas Sunday and the pastor preached on giving. All right? I know. Friend, when you truly get what I'm trying to convey to you, giving does not have to be a chore. God expects it, God intends for it to be a joy. We'll be able to give as an act of thank you, Lord, for what you have blessed me with exactly why God's called us to be able to do it. And when you truly learn how to give, you'll find no matter how much you give, God always blesses you so much more than what you'll ever be able to give to Him. You'll ever be able to give to Him. It is an act of worship to the Lord to be able to present your gifts to the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7 says, Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. Now listen, some of you, you worked really hard preparing gifts for your wife, for your, for your husband, for your kids. You might, might have, should have worked harder for that. Okay, well, I'll set that aside, okay? Worked hard at getting gifts ready for your kids, your grandkids. Some of you even worked hard at getting gifts for coworkers and neighbors and people you really don't even know, but you thought you should probably give them something, right? You've baked, you've cooked, you've given trinkets out to all different types of people. Forgot somebody, forgot somebody. One it's all about. You say, well, he doesn't need anything I have. No, he doesn't need it. He doesn't need it. It is an expression of worship from your heart to give to the Lord. Give to the Lord. Friend, I think that perhaps one of the areas that some of us need to grow in in the matter of our giving to the Lord. So I challenge you with that. These wise men did not come empty-handed before the Lord. Here's a final way you can worship. Worship with prudence. Worship with prudence. Now, after all this had taken place, this is what the wise men did in verse 12. If you're still with me, say amen. We're almost done. Warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Love this. These wise men did not stop following God after they met Jesus. Did not stop following God's leadership after they met Jesus. I think it'd be safe to put it this way. They didn't stop following the light of that star after they met Jesus. They continued to follow the Lord's direction for their life even after they had had that moment in Jesus' presence. And being foreigners, they did not understand what Herod was talking about when Herod said, hey, go and, go and find the child and then come back to Jerusalem and tell me when you found him so I can come worship him too. Well, he was lying. He wanted to kill Jesus. Foreigners, they didn't understand that. And so God in his province appeared to these wise men in a dream and warned them, don't go back that way, a different way. What the wise men did? They allowed God to reroute their lives. Continued to allow God to call the shots in their life and to direct them wherever he wanted them to go. And in this we see that I believe these wise men worship the Lord with an act of worship to the Lord and to have this prudence. This prudence. Spiritually speaking, it's being cautious to make decisions only as God leads you to. I would say that many of us in our life are far from prudent. When decisions need to be made... We like to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and say, well, I've done this before. I've got this. We run headlong into making decisions that really should be asking God, it's your will, it's your direction. Would you want me to do, Lord? Sad condemnation upon many is written, I believe, in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 30 and 31, where the Bible says, they would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. How often have I eaten those words? Listening to God, I wanted to do my own thing. 
say just because it feels right doesn't mean it is right. The Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man. The end thereof, the ways of death. Be careful about relying on your feelings. Listen, God desires for his people to follow him. The first thing Jesus asked of his disciples when he met them, follow me, follow me. The word disciple means follower. Above all things, God wants us to submit to and follow his leadership for our life. How prone we are not to do so and to rush into things and doing it, uh, doing it our own way. And I'll say every time you do it your own way, you will always live to regret it. Will always live to regret it. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 2, also that the soul be without knowledge, it is not good, and he that hasteth with his feet sinneth. One of the most worshipful choices that you can make this Christmas and as we get ready to enter into this new year is to live prudently before the Lord. It's to be cautious to seek God's will on every decision that you make in your life. James 4.15 says, for that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we'll do this or we'll do that. In our English vernacular, we often refer to that verse by saying, Lord willing. I'll do this or do that, Lord willing, if God wants me to. It's a good principle by which to live your life. To allow God to call the shots as to where you're going in your life. The Bible says there are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. Heart will lead you astray. The Bible says our hearts are desperately wicked. can't even understand them ourselves. Heart will lead you astray, but God will never lead you astray. You will always be doing the wise thing by choosing to submit to God's direction for your life. Letting God call the shots on every decision that you make. Some of you have some big decisions to make. They're pressing on you right now. Understand it's an act of worship to the Lord. Give it to the Lord. Say, God, what do you want me to do? I think I know what I want to do. I'm going to give you veto power, God. You say, no, I won't do it. God ought to have that kind of authority in your life. That is living worshipfully to the Lord. So would you honor the Lord this season, letting him call the shots in your life? See these five ways of worship. And I dare say when we looked at this passage of Scripture, we thought about the idea of worshiping the Lord. We thought about it in some of these contexts. Most of the time when we think of worshiping God, we think of, we think of it as, well, coming to church and singing songs. A lot more than that. Worship isn't a thing we come and do one time a week at church. You worship God or you neglect to worship God every action that you take every day of your life. That's why the Bible says, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Everything you do should be done as an act of worship to the Lord. And if it isn't honoring and glorifying to the Lord, it ought not be a part of your life. Plain and simple. When I was a kid, I remember I always felt this this. How, how, how should I put it? Deep appreciation. My parents, this was the older I got when I was an older kid, and I'd wake up Christmas morning, and I was that weird kid. I'd almost feel guilty opening presents because I got all of this stuff. I didn't have anything for mom and dad, right? And so as I began to get older, I started doing different things. I remember I didn't have any money. But some years I'd have money, but boy, I couldn't buy anything nice. I'd go to the store to like buy dad a power washer and I have five bucks and so that's not really going to work, okay? But uh, um, I remember trying to figure out ways to honor mom and dad and we'd have all this stuff in our stockings. Well, I wanted them to have something in their stockings and my siblings did this with me too and so we did what hopefully some of your kids do. We would stay up that night we'd, and we'd turn on the lights in our room and, uh, and we, we would pull paper out and we'd start 
coloring, coloring them pictures and drawing them, uh, drawing them things and writing them notes and then sneak out on Christmas morning and we try to shove them down in their stockings, you know, and of course get a peek at our presents too um, while we were there. I remember doing that. I, as we got even older, I remember we'd wake up on Christmas morning and we'd cook them breakfast. Um, and we'd try to bring them breakfast in bed and they'd hear us banging around in there. The first year they got mad at us, but after that they figured it out, okay? And I remember wanting to do all this because I felt so appreciative for the fact that they had done so much for us and I just wanted to do something to show them we appreciated what they'd done for us. I say in a much bigger context, Jesus, consider what Jesus has done for us. And it ought to be our heart's desire to want to do whatever we can to show him. We could never repay him. Never. You never give him something that he doesn't already have. We can present to him these offerings of worship because he needs them, because he delights in them. Friend, we've looked at some ways you can worship the Lord that perhaps gotten away from or perhaps you've never taken part in. Worship Jesus with your pursuit of him. Worship Jesus with your persistence after him. You can worship Jesus by coming into his presence. Worship Jesus with your presence, your offerings to him. And you can worship Jesus with your prudence by letting him call the shots in your life. There are so many other ways we can worship the Lord, but here's some we see from the example of the wise men. My parting question for you, in what way, what ways do you need to grow your worship of the Lord this Christmas season? God has spoken to your heart. Hope that you'll, during this invitation, be willing to bow your head and talk to the Lord and dedicate yourself to worship the Lord in the way that he has spoken to your heart about today. I'll bow our heads and close our eyes together. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Like those wise men, dear years ago,